Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. And welcome. As Colt said, we are so glad that you made celebrating part of your 4th of July weekend this here at church with us today. So we're excited that you're here. So my prayer for you is that whatever you're doing to celebrate, whether it's gliding across the water on the boat at the lake or grilling burgers or steaks or playing horseshoes or whatever you're going to be doing, that you have a happy and safe uh, day celebrating your freedom. And that's what a lot of us will be doing. We will be being free, celebrating our freedom, correct? Doing the things that we like to do. Because don't we think about freedom as doing what makes us happy? So I want to challenge you before you move into really getting your celebration on, um, I want to challenge you with this thought. Responsibility fosters freedom. Irresponsibility takes it away. Now chew on that for a moment because when you read it, it kind of sounds not right, right? Because when we think responsibility, we tend to think things that chain us down. Like, you know, I want to go outside and play and hang out with my friends, but I have responsibilities to do homework. I want to go to the movies tonight, but I have to be responsible and go to work. So responsibility very often feels to us like not freedom. And in turn, we think of irresponsibility as freedom. Like I think irresponsibly lying on a beach at a resort, eating all I want, and the only thing that I really have to do is turn over so that one side doesn't get cooked too much, right? That's my idea of irresponsibility and freedom. But think about it for a moment. Let's take one step backwards from that scenario because it's because you've been responsible at work that you have the finances to enjoy the freedom of going to lay at the resort. And if you were not responsible at work, you would not have a job, ergo you would not have the freedom to do that. So freedom fosters responsibility. Think about it like with our kids. When they're young, we control every facet of their life. What time they get up, what time they go to bed, what do they eat, what do they wear, where do they go, who do they play with. All of those things we control. But as they get older, we start to grant them more and more freedom. And if they're responsible with that freedom, they get more. Pretty soon they're picking out what they wear. They're choosing what snack they want, what they want to drink. And as long as they stay responsible, all is well. And when they demonstrate that they're responsible with their crayons, they can color a picture by themselves, then that allows us to kind of step out of the room and go handle laundry or go check on ESPN and see what's going on, you know, because the kids color and they've been responsible. But when they look at that big white canvas on the wall, and they look at their crayons, and they think that big white wall canvas needs decorating. All of a sudden, freedom to color by themselves gets taken away, right? Or is that just my house? When we live in freedom, it's great. And when we start to be irresponsible with that freedom, it gets taken away. And the same is true for our, us, just like our kids. You can see it throughout the Bible. God gives great freedom. And when we treat it responsibly, we live wonderfully. 
But when we're irresponsible with that freedom, it goes away. Think about Adam and Eve. God gave them everything. He gave them dominion over all the animals. He gave them all the trees in the garden but one. They had one rule. Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And what'd they do? They broke it. So consequently, that freedom was removed and they were evicted from the Garden of Eden. If you fast forward through history, when God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, he delivered them, he brought them out, and he gave them 10 rules, the 10 commandments. And if you know the story, and if, even if you've seen the movie, you know God was writing the 10 commandments on the stone tablets, rules one and two. No other gods before me, don't make any idols. Before God had finished writing all the rules and Moses wasn't even taking them down from the mountain yet, they'd already broken one and two. Had the golden calf, started worshiping the golden calf. Guess what? Consequently, they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. And you'd think they'd have learned their lesson, but no. They go into the promised land and God says, hey, don't intermarry in this new land because they worship pagan gods and I don't want you worshiping pagan gods. So the gods that Pastor Mike preached about the past couple weeks, Asherah, Molech, Baal, all of those, God said, don't intermarry because you're gonna make you worship pagan gods. Sure enough, Israelites started intermarrying and worshiping pagan gods and God said, all right. And let them walk down that path and they eventually ended up getting exiled. The nation of Israel was destroyed and its people scattered. Over and over and over, we see that when you live in the freedom that God gives you with responsibility, then you enjoy that freedom. And when you are irresponsible with it, it gets taken away from you. In America, God has given us great freedom. We can go where we want, do what we want, cross state lines, whenever we want. We can marry who we want, work at the job we want, in the place we want. We have all of this freedom. American freedom is known around the world. And when we're irresponsible with it, that freedom gets taken away. That's how Sunday became just another day for all the retail stores. That's how prayer got taken out of school. When we're irresponsible with the freedoms that we have, it gets taken away. So for the rest of our time together today, I want to answer this question. How do I live with responsibility and ensure that I continue to live in God's freedom? I think there's two things that we need to do. And the first one is this. It's your first fill-in on the sheet today is to remember the cost. Now, I'm going to geek out on you for just a second here. Um, and tell you that when I was young, I loved me some Star Wars, all right? Loved it. Like, I saw the movie three times back before you had DVDs and back before VHS, before all of that, when the only way you could see a movie was go to the theater, I saw Star Wars three times in the theaters. Loved it. Had the X-Wing, had the TIE Fighter, the Millennium Falcon, all of that stuff. And we had battles and wars and fighting and lightsaber duels and people's arms got cut off. It was great. And I had a friend named Sam. Well, we're going to name him Sam to protect him because I don't want you guys hunting him down on Facebook and sending him nasty grams. But Sam was not very kind with my toys. Sam, when he crashed a ship, he liked to make it crash. And more than once, he broke my stuff because he played with it too rough. 
And in 1980, when The Empire Strikes Back was released and the snow speeder came out. Uh-huh, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was the coolest ship ever because it had the laser cannons that lighted up and it made the really cool sounds and it had the harpoon thing on the back that you could fly around. It was awesome. I wanted it so bad. But my birthday and Christmas were a long way away, so I worked my tail end off. I mowed lawns. I did extra chores around the house. If I saw a coin in a parking lot, it didn't matter how hot that coin was and burning my fingerprints off, I picked that sucker up. I worked and saved to get that snow speeder. And when I got it, I got it home. I was in heaven. And then Sam came over to play. Now, I am generally very free with the stuff that God has blessed me with. And if I have it, you're welcome to it. If I don't have it, I'll teach you how to live without it. I mean, that's kind of how I tend to roll. But when Sam came over and wanted to play with my snow speeder, I was like, uh-uh, no. To this day, Sam has never played with my snow speeder. Because I knew what it cost. I knew all the work that went into it. All the sweat, all the burned fingerprints. He didn't. Because I knew what it cost, I took care of it. I treasured it. But my toys cost Sam nothing. And looking back on it now, I've learned a very important lesson out of that. And that lesson is this. The farther away I get from the cost, the more effort responsibility requires from me. Fill that in. The farther away I get from the cost, the more effort responsibility requires. The New York Times published an article in 2014, said that patriotism is on the decline in America. They said they asked the question to the World War II generation, how important is it to you to be an American? 78% of the World War II generation said it is extremely important that I'm an American. My nationality is that important to me. And they tracked it all the way down through the boomers, through the Gen Xers, to the millennials. 45% of millennials said being an American was important. We went from 78 to 45. How is that? Why is that? Because the World War II generation knew the cost. They fought a long, hard, costly war for freedom. Our nation was attacked and they responded. They understood that freedom. The millennial generation is three generations removed from that cost. And while they live in the freedom that it provides, they don't understand it. So how do we do that? How do we pass the cost on to the next generation so that they understand and they remain connected to the cost? I believe the answer is this. We have got to connect them to the cost through telling stories. Helping them understand by giving them a framework. So a few years ago, we were blessed to go to the, the capital, Washington, D.C., with my parents. So my family and my parents hopped in a suburban, drove. We did the nation's capital thing, saw all the monuments. And one of the places we went that I particularly remember was the Vietnam Memorial. And if you've been there, you know what a solemn, 
solemn place that is when you see all those names written on the wall. Now, my children were very young at the time. And we coached them before we approached the the Vietnam Memorial. And we said, when you walk up there, you be quiet. Show respect and show honor. So they didn't understand it, but they obeyed. When my wife and I walked up to the wall, we were taken aback by how massive it was and how small the names were that were written on every one of those panels. So many names. It's breathtaking. And then I noticed that my parents were having a very different experience than all of us. Because you see, they're from that generation. They knew some of the names on the wall. I watched them look through the book and find their friends and walk over on the wall and see where their friends' names were. They knew the cost. As we walked away, my dad started telling us stories about what it was like when he was young and people were getting drafted and, and you know, his friends that would get drafted, go to basic training, go to Vietnam and never return from that jungle. They knew moms who would never hear their son say, I love you, mom, again, because of Vietnam. And he started telling us those stories. And I snapped this picture of him talking to my daughter because it was so important because she was listening to those stories and she was absorbing it and she was understanding Vietnam like no textbook could ever teach. That's how we pass on the cost to younger generations so that they understand. In the Bible, in Joshua, we see an example of this. Joshua chapter four says this in verse 21. It says, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, when the Israelites had walked into Jordan, they crossed the Jordan River. And as soon as the Ark of the Covenant As soon as the people carrying it stepped into the Jordan, the waters parted. And every tribe took a stone out of the middle of the Jordan River and they built a monument. And Joshua said, when you see this monument, when your kids ask about this monument, tell them the stories. That's how you pass the cost on to the next generation. Placing those monuments. Telling those stories. That's why we do communion Every week, we celebrate the Lord's Supper in our church every week to celebrate the cost, to remember the cost of Jesus dying on the cross. Here's what the Bible says about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Parents, this is the perfect opportunity for you to tell the story of Jesus, that he came to earth, was fully God, fully man. He lived a sinless life and died on the cross to cover the penalty for our sins and that we put our faith and our trust in him. We will have eternal life and freedom, not just in this life, but in heaven for eternity. And if you're in this room right now and you have never made that commitment to Christ, I encourage you to do it now. On the back of your message notes on the bottom, there's a sample prayer that you can pray to lead you into that relationship with Jesus so that you understand the cost of the, his life that was paid for you. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are honoring the cost and the sacrifice of Jesus. And that is the second fill-in for the day. That's our second way that we can live in responsibility is honor the giver. Honor the giver. And really, the best way to honor the giver is just to do what they ask. We see it all around in our society. We have sports stadiums that are named for companies that give the most money. We honor that company by putting their name on it. When you get an ugly tie for Christmas from your in-laws, you wear it. Why? Because you want to honor the gift and honor them because they gave it to you. And when your child brings home this weird-looking ceramic ashtray that they made, you take up smoking. <laughs> Not really, you know, but you get the point, right? You honor the giver of the gift by following their wishes with it. Jesus gave you freedom through his death on the cross. And look what the Bible tells us in Galatians 5, how we honor him. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now circle, you are not to do whatever you want. Scripture tells us the flesh, your, your, those earthly desires, and your, the spirit, those godly desires are in conflict. You're not to do whatever you want to do, but look what it says with the Spirit. Serve one another humbly in love. Underline that. That's what the Spirit says to do. Serve one another. All those in our armed forces, those first responders, the city leaders, state, nationally, these people that we prayed for today, those that gave their lives for our freedom, they served us in providing that freedom. So honor them. Honor that gift by participating in the government that they fought to protect. So I'm going to meddle in your lives just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I want to ask you this question. What do you do when you get a jury summons in the mail? Uh, I don't, no, no self-incrimination. But think, are you, when you get that summons, do you try to figure out a way to get out of it? Yeah, there's some uncomfortable guilt in the room. Everyone that we just listed fought and many of them died for your freedom to serve on a jury in our system of government. Yes, 
it may cost you a day of work. Yes, it may be boring. Yes, you will very likely be frustrated at some point in the day. But it's important as Christians that we're involved in our government. Because if, you're jur- if you don't fill the jury seat, it's going to be filled by someone else who likely has an agenda. And that agenda probably is not going to line up with God's perspective. It's important that those of us that follow Christ fulfill that duty and serve on juries. Now, I've also heard rumors and rumblings around the Christian community that we don't like either of our presidential candidates, so we're just not going to vote. And if that's you, I'm going to encourage you, don't do that. Vote. God has given you a right and a privilege to do that. There are people in countries all over the world that wish, that pray for the opportunity to have a free election where they can vote for the leader of their choice. Honor the giver of that freedom by voting. Well, I don't like either one of the candidates. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. The Bible tells us that we are to follow our leaders. And the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. And come November, somebody's getting elected. So who do you want to pray for for the next four years? Vote for that person. If your selection boils down to that, vote for the person you want to pray for. Because if you're going to do what God asks you to do, you're going to be praying for him for four years. Vote. Be involved in the system of government that God has given us, the freedoms that you have that have been provided for you. That's how you're going to honor those people. Honor your policemen and first responders. Bring cookies to the fire station. Give a cold bottle of water to a policeman who's standing outside directing traffic, wearing all the garb that they have to wear in our lovely Texas heat. When you see someone in uniform, tell them thank you. They've given up their lives putting themselves in harm way for you. Someone in our armed services, they likely don't get to choose where they live. Tell them thank you. Now tomorrow, you have a unique experience, opportunity actually, to honor God and the freedoms that he has given us and to honor our country at the same time. There's gonna be fireworks celebrations all around our community. And we, as Parkway Fellowship, want to send people there to honor our country and then honor God by inviting people to our church. So we're going to pass out glow necklaces. Like, who doesn't want a glow necklace, right? So in a few moments, Colt is going to come back out with a connection card and walk you through the next steps. And one of those is to say, I will go to Katie Mills Mall. I will go to Cinco Ranch. I will go to um, Fulshire. And I will pass out glow necklaces. I want to encourage you, be a part of that. Take that next step to say, you know what? I am going to celebrate our country and celebrate God all at the same time. Now, whether you do or whether you're not a part of that and you already have other plans, it's it's totally okay. It's all good. But I want to encourage you. Think about what we've talked about today. About how responsibility fosters freedom. Irresponsibility takes it away. Put those monuments in your life so that you can teach your children and continue this freedom that we live in. Let me pray for you today. Father, I give you praise and I thank you so much, God, 
for the freedom that you have given us, God. I know the world wants to take credit for your work, uh, for all that you've done, but God, we know that you are the author of America, God. You are the author of all the blessings that we live with every day. God, help us to be mindful that our greatest freedom comes when we submit our lives to you and we follow Christ and we give you our whole hearts and follow your plan. God, I pray for this, for this room, everyone in this room, God, who, uh, Lord, who needs to give their life to you, uh, God, that they would understand the sacrifice, that, God, that they would recognize the cost of your sacrifice and that they would commit their lives to you. God, I finally, I pray for the, the passing out of the necklaces this weekend, God, that you would cause those necklaces, those little glow bands to, to fall into the hands of the right people, the people that need to hear from you, God, the people who need to come to church and hear the gospel, the people who need to have a conversation and instead of watching fireworks, God, talk about your sacrifice. God, bless the passing out of those glow necklaces, God. Bless our church. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.